You are listening to Mountain Bike Radio. Welcome, bike packers. This is another episode of Bike Packer Radio presented by Bike Packers Magazine. I am your co-host, Neil Belchanko. Along with me is Michael Ackerman. How you doing, Michael? Happy Thanksgiving, Neil, and I want to welcome everybody to the November Bike Packers Radio Show. I think uh, it's time we talk about fat biking yeah. on this podcast. So, uh, you know, I don't know what the snow is like where our listeners are riding their bikes right now, but I know in Colorado, winter is off to a furious start, and uh, a lot of us had made the switch over to fat biking and fat packing. And Neil, I know you're a fat bike enthusiast. Mm -hmm. uh, what got you into it? Um. Well, actually, I didn't buy my first fat bike until last year. Um, okay. And it was basically, I think the previous year, so living in a like a ski town, mountain town, you know, it's all about skiing. And the previous year we had, I think it was 2012, it was just a really crummy ski year. And, sure. and I think I just, I was like, all right, well, I need to do something else. You know, I need to get my cardio going. Um, I need to train and, you know, I'm training for these, these bikepacking races and, and cycling events in general. And what better way of training than being on the bike? And so, you know, I, I've been on the trainer before and, uh, it's just not the same. And so I, I put the money down to buy a Moonlander and, um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's such a fun activity and trying to, you know, deal with the Nordic center and gaining access to trails. It's just a challenge. And so it's, sure. just, you know, another opportunity for tourism here in a community where, you know, we're based on, you know, bringing people in and spending money. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my drive behind it. And it's, it's just fun and it's another activity. How about Fast. you? You know, pretty much the same, mm -hmm. same story. There is definitely a, uh, want to continue to cycle through the winter. Uh, you know, the Arizona trail race creeps up on you pretty darn quickly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I discovered fat biking, um, two seasons ago. And it just, it kept me pedaling through the winter. Uh, probably, and I know just like you, it's been hard to give up the, the skiing and the snowboarding. You know, it's, uh, I think that's why we live in the, the mountain towns that we do. But, uh, talk about adding another dimension to, to winter, another, you know, option in the quiver. Um, I think the other thing for me too is I'm, uh, I'm a bike commuter. Uh, yeah. you know, my wife and I were a one car family. Um, so, uh, in the winter, I feel a lot safer, you know, going hither and dither on the fat bike. So whether it's on trails or, or going to work or, um, it, it's just kind of, I don't know. I've heard this from other folks. It seems like it's made cycling a 12 month activity in Colorado, mm -hmm. which it wasn't. <laughs> right. No, I agree. I'm, I'm commuting as well via my fat bike now, which is awesome. Yeah. And I, otherwise I, I'd be driving. Do you stay on your fat bike in the summertime and on dirt? Uh, yep. That's my commuter. I mean, all, all year, all year long now, I, uh, I rock the fat bike to and from. 
So no surprise, then the two of us want to talk about fat biking. And uh, I think whether it's commuting or you're on the trails or you're racing, uh, you're on dirt, you're on snow, there's a lot of bikes out there. I think uh, we've had conversations about how this market has just blown up over the last five years exponentially. Yep. And uh, there, there's a lot of bikes out there. And, and, and from the big boys to the kind of small manufacturers and everything in between, um, the landscape for fat biking is now, you know, it's kind of, it's overwhelming, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to see, um, you know, obviously Surly and, and Salsa have been around for such a long time. But it's now really interesting to see all these little boys um, and on the other side of that, a specialized in Trek, those guys getting involved as well. It's, um, it's, it's, it's cool to see that the market is going that way, but it's, it's interesting to see what companies want to invest in it and what companies right. don't. Right. You know, so it's like stand up paddling. What followed snowshoeing and now fat biking is following stand up paddling. It seems to be the hottest outdoor pursuit right now. And I mm-hmm. think you see that reflected in across all these companies at the industry trade shows. Um, so those bikes, you know, you mentioned salsa, surly kind of, I'd say kind of the pioneers in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still putting out some great fat bikes. I know you and I have both been able to demo. A lot of bikes this fall and early this winter and uh you know anything catch your fancy are you hot to trot about any of these monsters um so i mean i bet we've been on quite a few bikes between interbike and just local demos um but the one that stood out to me actually the two it would be the fatback corvus okay um and the salsa bear grease and i can kind of compare them because they're just like the ultra light you know, ultra fast, um, stiff carbon fat bike right. out there. So uh, I have the bear grease. I, I've tried that. And I, mm-hmm. and I think, uh, we probably share the same feedback there, you know, talk about being in love with the bike and having it be Seriously. responsive, um, and light and feeling like space age technology that, you know, buckle up. Tell me about the, the fat back though. And the Corvus. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's a, when I got on it, I tested it as a 29 or plus, so it, it might be a little different, but the, the one thing I would recall was it's super, super stiff compared to, it was even more stiff than the Bear Grease, believe it or okay. not. Um, and yeah, they had, I mean, and I think be, probably because it had carbon rims on it as well. So the, the Bear Grease that I tested, I think just had Marge lights. Um, but it's interesting. I think, you know, you can compare the Bear Grease and the, the Corvus. Um, but I think that having, um, they're kind of marketing their, these two bikes is more like trail oriented bikes, um, with these super narrow rims, I think. Sure. What is it? 65 millimeter, the Marge yep. light, I think. It's the smallest one. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just interesting that I think salsa in general and all these fat bike companies, they see the, the need for fat bikes year round people, you know, the one bike quiver, uh, people see that they just want to get a fat bike and they, they don't see the need for, you know, a, another hardtail or something like that. And so the industry is kind of pushing that. And I think that's, that's kind of interesting, but I, I love the Corvus and, uh, um, you know, the color scheme that the ladies Corvus with the pink 
tint to it. I thought that was really cool. I thought they did a good job with that. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, since we're talking about salsa, I had a chance to get on that new Blackborough. Uh, you know, you talk about, um, I totally agree with you about the, the one quiver, the, the kind of the utilitarian do anything aspect to these fat bikes, uh, no matter what brand. Um, and boy, let me tell you, getting on that new Blackborough, awesome. I felt, I felt I could have loaded it up with, you know, the things as Sherpa, we could put on a thousand pounds on it. I can see, you know, here in Durango, riding out La Plata Canyon with the split board on the back for a day of, of skinning and backcountry skiing and then cool. shropping down on the bike. I mean, it, it's pretty cool. It's, it's, uh, and you also see these big bikes like the Blackboro and, and some of these other monsters out there, like uh, Trek has one and Moots for trail use, you know, where, uh, right. trail groups are lugging chainsaws and tools on them. Um, you know, I know you and I have talked before about a lot of these, guys going around the world and doing some of these extended month after month adventures. Yep. They're rolling on, you know, if not 29 plus a fat bike because of the versatility. Um, it's kind of like the Honda element of the bike world. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, what, what can't you do? Yeah. But here's where I want to send us is we saw suspension and specifically full suspension enter the world of fat bikes uh, this year. Yep. And, uh, I know you've got some experience there, so maybe you could share with folks your perspective on where that's all going. Yeah. You know, I don't have too much experience with it, but I think, um, to just kind of go back to having that one bike, I think having a full suspension fat bike is like perfect and, you know, testing it and, Everybody that I talk to, the <clears throat> the Bucksaw is just like the one of the most amazing things they've ever been on. It's it grips really well, it climbs really well, it descends really well. Um, that sauce is new, full suspension, rig, right? The, the Bucksaw, Bucksaw yeah. Um, and I, I really do think that you know, a few months down the line, a few years down the line, we're going to see more and more. I know nine zero seven is going to be. Uh, um, showcasing their new full suspension fat bike, uh, at Sea Otter, um, in April, I believe. So it's, okay. you know, and then what is the other company? 911 or something like that? Or 119? Uh, making another full suspension? Full suspension. They're like, theirs is more downhill oriented. Uh, but still, you, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's fun to, <laughs> it's fun to watch, but I don't know if I need, uh, a full suspension fat bike. Sure. And I think that's the, that's probably the commentary I've heard most. And I think it goes back to the one quiver, right? So yeah. you want to get yourself a carbon buck saw. Whew. Yeah. I think it's great, but I'm pretty sure you're getting that to ride year round on dirt, uh, you know, take it to Moab. Um, but you could also use it on the snow. You could also commute on it. Right. Um, it's a lot of coin for a commuter. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I and I say. think there's, and I think there's something to be said for, you know, fat biking for me is reminiscent of, and, and you may disagree with me and the listeners may disagree with me, but it's reminiscent of when you're a little kid and you had those, remember Tonka trucks? Oh yeah. So like with the big wheels and you kind of have this huge grin and you're just rolling the Tonka truck over all the other cars, right. stuff in the sandbox. Like that's how it feels to me on a fat bike. And I've come to enjoy um, 
how they ride, which is different than how my regular mountain bikes ride. Right. Um, you know, and, and if you, I think it forces me to be more in tune with the ride. You know, we know in fat biking, a lot of the ride has to do with tire pressure and yeah. you need to be in tune with the surface, the trail conditions that you're riding on. And if you're not, you know, we all know that it very quickly can feel like a prize fight, you know, cause you get those rigid forks and there's too much air and, and conversely not enough air. And I really like the connection that being on a fat bike gives you like that because mm-hmm. you got to be cognizant of those, uh, snow conditions. You have to be, uh, omni focused on the trail conditions and you need to adjust to that. So to me, it's, it's almost a, you know, it's a niche within a niche of the mountain biking world. Um, right. and this, this whole journey now into the world of full suspension with the things that, you know, Salsa is doing and the addition of the Bluto fork this year, um, it, on fat bikes, uh, it feels like the sky is the limit for this, yep. this kind of emerging sector. So no, I agree. And I think we're going to see more and more, you know, uh, forks that will come out that are friendly for fat bikes as well. You know, I'm sure, uh, Fox is in the works with something. And, um, I mean, yeah, I, uh, people want them, right? I mean, yeah. that's, people were sticking lefties on their fat bikes four years ago because right. there wasn't options. So that probably sent a strong message, you know? Right. Right. It's, it's just interesting with the whole f- suspension thing, you know, I personally, I just, I, I, I don't see a need and especially bringing some of these, these forks in, freezing cold temperatures. Um, I just, you know, I, I just can't trust, you know, a, a thing like the Bluto, but who knows, you know, I, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't tried it. I haven't tried it in zero degrees yet, but absolutely. I, well, all that being said, I, I brought that question up to many a retailer and manufacturer and they are happy to report out why they feel suspension is the way to go. So I encourage everybody listening don't listen to us. Go, go figure it no. out for yourself. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, you've been on a lot of bikes. We've been demoing a lot of bikes, trying to do stuff for the magazine and yeah. trying to just hit demos. And, and so maybe just, uh, let's give a quick rundown what we've been able to, to get on and, and, uh, check out. Um, uh, let's see here. So, uh, at Interbike, we checked out a few bikes, um, along with what we mentioned from Surly. Uh, or from salsa and uh, fatback, um, we got on a Rocky Mountain Blizzard. Nice, and uh, that was a fun bike. Uh, it's actually coming with a porcelain rocket um, frame bag. Um, which is- we talked about that last month. Last month, right? Yeah. Didn't we? That's kind of the trend now. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of neat. Um, what else? Rocking a. Ursa, uh, Chumba Ursa Major right now, which is Chumba's prototype fat bike. And so that should be launched sometime in January. Uh, that's a fun bike, really aggressive, but, um, it's going to be, uh, I think a titanium frame bike. Is your, uh, pro model the Chumba Wamba? Is that in production? The Chumba Wamba. No, (laughs) unfortunately not. They should make one named the Wamba. I, you have my vote. It's a great name. Yeah, it, it is. Um, what else? You know, I've been, uh, I got to get on the full lineup of this year's bikes for Salsa and Surly. And I would just say, you know, we've come to expect 
certain things from these guys. Uh, as I mentioned before, fully in love with the bear grease. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had a mistress, it was the carbon bear grease. Jeez. Yeah. Lo- <laughs> love those bigger surly bikes. Those are super cool. Um, special note to a bike I have some experience with here and a bike that my wife rides, uh, the 907 uh, brand of fat bikes. And uh, just a little nod to anybody who's listening who's a smaller human being. We're talking about 5'5 five, five, uh, and maybe shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, we found the swoop and the geometry uh, of the 907 fat bikes accommodating for standover height for really small people, especially when we're dealing with all this San Juan post hole, right. you know, fine powder snow. Um so that's been really good. And then uh, checking out the local bikes around here, you know, these small manufacturers. Um, I know you have some up your ways. We got Durango Bike Company putting out the Huey, uh, the Cocapelli uh, Bike Company over in Cortez putting out their own fat bike. Tried the Trek, tried the that other company. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. Uh, well, that other right. company, I was giving a nod to that other big boy. I didn't want us to get sued. Oh, I'm not right. sure yeah, we can we say their name on the show. Them too long. No, we don't. We don't. We could we could never afford that bike anyway. So uh so and small manufacturers up your way. I think Borealis Turner. Yeah, yeah uh, up in Colorado Springs. Uh, yeah. They have the Echo now, which is uh a, a super, super nice bike. Um and I think I know they 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 always have something in the works up there. So, um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt that they they end up coming out with a uh, a full suspension bike down the line. But that's pure speculation. Sure, sure. And then uh, you've been more involved in this this season doing um, like tech spec write ups on on rims, yeah, and other accessories. What what do you found there? Um, well, there's a ton of companies entering the uh the the wide rim game um and you know rims in general are just uh getting wider and wider uh kind of the industry standard is accepting a wider rim now which is neat i mean it's it's pretty cool but in terms of a fat bike rim you know you, you have your surly aluminum rims um but i think the whole need for rims um have really you know with with more people becoming more interested in fat biking, I think, you know, two, three years ago, all these surly rims were just, you couldn't even get them anymore. Right. Um, and so a company like Turnigan Components, who, which is owned by Borealis, um, is now making their own aluminum rims that are relatively, you know, inexpensive. It's just, that kind of shows the, the growth in fat biking. Um, but then you have these super, super lightweight, stiff carbon rims uh-huh. Um, from companies like, um, head and whiskey parts and woven and nexty, um, that are just kind of transforming how these fat bikes ride. Um, and so I haven't actually been on one yet and I'm hoping to get a pair here in the next week or so. Um, but I mean, it's, it's interesting to see these things are really expensive though, the, the carbon ones, uh, sure. which is a downfall for sure. But with more <laughs> of these guys coming about, I, Prices have to drop, right? Well, you know, what do you want to do? You want to eat or you want to ride a nice bike? Right. <laughs> <laughs> what's 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 a mortgage? What's rent, right? right? It's uh. just something getting in the way of fat biking. So, you know, and I think with the explosion of manufacturers and uh, technology and, you know, all these different iterations and species of fat bikes now, it's led to 
wait for it, a bunch of different, uh, like events, like we'd see for the regular mountain biking world. You got ultras, mm-hmm. um, day events, race series, um, you know, just in Colorado alone. I know we, it's going off the hook. Um, it are you, now you went to the Arrowhead last year. I did the Arrowhead. It was, okay. So Tell us about that. The Arrowhead. <laughs> it was it, cold. It was cold. Yeah. It was negative 40 wind chill, I think. But, um, yeah, I think the Arrowhead is turning into one of those, you know, premier lower 48 bike packing races. Um, it's, uh, it's a know, qualifier for, it is a, it's a qualifier for the, I, I, I did a ride, okay. um, 125 miles up in, uh, the ice box of, uh, or 135 miles up in the ice box of, uh, Minnesota up there in international falls, um, yeah, I mean it's uh it's a pretty cool event. And it was packed last year. There was okay, hundreds was... of people. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Which is really cool. And I think it all I think it started as a uh like a ski and foot travel race, winter ultra style. Um and I think the the cyclists have um definitely uh overtaken the race in terms of numbers, which is pretty awesome. Sure. Um and I just saw Bikepackers Magazine put out a great article about the 11 winter ultras. Yeah. That'll test your limits and change your life. If you want a, if you want to do a, a, a fat bike race, check out this link, um, on our website. It has anything from the Iditarod to, um, the Arrowhead, like I mentioned, and then, um, the Tascobia, which is, I think the first one of the, the, the year, which goes down, um, over New Year's. Um, and then a newer one, the Fat Pursuit, which is kind of the premier, or it can't, I think it's going to be the premier Western United States winter ultra. Uh, and okay. that's actually hosted by Jay Peterberry, who, uh, won the Arrowhead 135 last year. And he has the record on the, I did a ride trail invitational southbound route. Um, and obviously, <laughs> Tour Divide, all these records. Well, I would you just made me think. That's why he comes out and just crushes the AZT. The guy's been yep. pedaling the fat butt. He just exactly. doesn't stop. Yeah, and loves every second of it. What a what a great what a great athlete. What a great attitude that guy yeah, has. Exactly, amazing. He's a, he's a really good guy. So, um, so, but yeah, I mean, all these you know, even in Europe, I think the our eleven winter ultras list has a few races up in Europe. <laughs> And then we, we keep getting, uh, people that are sending in, you know, race info, like check out this ultra. So there's just, they're all over the place. They're all over the place. Not to mention, uh, like local race series too. You know, oh, yeah. You, yep. Even smaller ones yet, you know, um, which is, it's great. And not, not only that, but then you have your 35 and 40 mile races. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I, they're, uh, yeah. You're good. What you want? What are you? Uh, are you? What specifically are you teeing up? If you want to share for this uh, winter, for for any sort of fat bike, yeah, races. This this. I'm gonna winter. do the fat pursuit. Okay. And other than that, you know, just some local. We have a local race series here in Crested Butte. Um, so I'm gonna do those. I actually host those with a, a buddy. So I think I'll probably end up doing a few of them. I'm not exactly sure yet. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, I, 
I'm actually training for the Tour Divide, so as much dirt as I can get on in, <laughs> in this winter wonderland here, which is pretty much nearly impossible. Um, yeah, we'll see you in Arizona for that, right? Yeah, right. Oh. How about you? Um, likewise, I think there'll be a lot of participation in the local events, you know, living in the bike crazy town of Durango. Uh, you know, we got the, the third annual ugly sweater and fat bike rally coming up. We've got Nordic series, uh, coming up. Um, you know, what is really coming up and I, and I think everybody should know about this is the brand new event, uh, in Silverton yeah, coming up in. Sweet. Yeah, the Silverton Whiteout. It's going to be the uh, a ten hour race. Uh, tips off at nine a.m. Uh, and it is a lap race around the town trails, which are uh, ski and sled trails in and around the little mountain hamlet of Silverton, Colorado, at uh, approximately ten thousand feet. So it's going to be uh, an affordable registration. You know, there's there's a team category. There's solo. There's duo. Um, sounds like uh, the race is happening in concert with Silverton's winter carnival. So we've got, you know, post race fireworks and a after party, I think being talked about at Montagna. So definitely, I think that's one, uh, that I will be (laughs) attending. Um, and likewise, like you, I'm going to, I'm going to give the 300 another run here and really try to do a lot better than last year's performance. And so, um, oh, the, the Arizona 300. The Arizona, yeah, the AZ 300. So, you know, we'll see. It's um, one thing I should mention is I was using fat biking last year to train for the dirt, and I actually uh, was coming down Lime Creek Road here, uh, you know, heading towards Silverton on my fat bike and hit some ice and put a foot down and ended up uh, with a pretty moderate tear of a hamstring mm. uh, on it. And almost. When was this last year? This was about uh, a month and a half out from Arizona, mm. and I was, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, and I so, mean. so yeah, I mean, knock the trainer all you will. Um, if it wasn't for a little bit of spinning there, I don't think I would have made it to Parker Lake. But so many options, you know, and it's uh, and it's not just here. It's not just in Colorado. It's not just in the West. Uh, I don't know if you're up on your Ebola news, but did you see that that nurse and her right. boyfriend? guys rocking the surly back in maine and so lots of cool stuff going on just just everywhere you think i do think it was uh a couple generation old pugsley from what i can determine but how cool man it's not not to mention cool for her for being such a strong self-advocate but you know all these races i think build up to something we're both pretty excited about and that is the big uh summit second year coming up in jackson hole yeah, if, if you guys haven't uh, heard about the Fat Bike Summit, um, actually, it's in there, let's see here, the fourth year. First year was up in Island Park, Idaho. That's right. Wait, let's see. Think here. I think the first two years were. Then last year was down in Ogden, and now they're up in Jackson at the Snow King Resort, uh, January 23rd through the 25th, I believe. Um, and basically, you know, you... You sign up for learning, you know, uh, grooming techniques, how to work with um, the Nordic folks, um, which that's a whole other topic that we could talk about. Sure. Um, and then I think they have a race, uh, and then I think uh, nine or uh, forty-five North will be there showing off some products as lo- along with some other companies. So um, they're, I think they're trying to make it into a, 
a like a premier winter event that if you're a fat biker you should go to um which yeah. is it it's perfect i mean great timing too yeah no doubt i'm really gonna try to figure that out it's a, what a good excuse to go to jackson right in, in january yeah so so uh i heard you mention nordic i heard you mention nordic folks you want to unpack that a little bit yeah let's let's talk about that so what's your so here in crested butte we have it's i guess i could say we are us fat bikers are more um you can relate us to you know being the snowboarders back in um the early 90s uh, yeah sure we're sure. not accepted quite yet um and it's 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 really just frustrating sure um, but so what what we've kind of worked with the nordic center this year um is to uh gain access to some trails outside of town um that are actually free to Nordic users. Um, but we are charged $40 a year or $5 a day to use this free area. Um, which is really it's just the fat bikers, of, just, just the, the fat, fat bikers. Yeah. It's turned a lot of heads. Uh, if you have a Nordic pass, you know, in general, I think it's like a $300 Nordic pass. You can obviously ride there for free or it, you know, it uses sure. that pass, but, um, you know, we've gone to them, for a number of years in a row now, um, to gain access. And they, um, they, uh, I guess they filled out or they sent out a, uh, a form to all of the Nordic users and they voted on it and they voted for this one area. And they, you know, they had a list of five areas or so, and only this one area was, the majority, I think over 50% or something like that. Sure. And, um, it still wasn't that great of a vote, but, uh, sure. yeah, so that's kind of where we are and it's, it's really, you know, it's frustrating. And so we have to go up, you know, mountain valleys, um, which is not, you know, as consistent of snow quality. Um, so I, I guess we're, I feel like we're a little bit behind, uh, the times, but how is Durango handling this situation? You know, as, as with anything Durango and cycling, I think it's probably a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of where we're at nationally with a dialogue. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there is acceptance at the Nordic center here. Uh, you get a trail pass. Uh, the Nordic center is actually going to groom some fat bike specific single track, uh, this year. Um, you know, they, and do you know how they're going to do that? Like, are they going to, are you guys making a groomer and then you're going to tell yeah. it via snow, snow machine or what? Yeah. You know, it seems like, uh, some of the plans that came out of the summit last year, mm -hmm. it, you know, all these grooming machines kind of started as just an individual iteration of, Hey, I've got this idea. And whether it was a piece of chain link fence towed behind a, you know, a snow machine or a, a box that grooved corduroy or, um, there's some resources out there right now that I think yep. make it pretty easy to build in, you know, a short time in your garage, a grooming device, um, and tow it behind a sled. So that is, uh, I believe what they're going to do, you know, for a long time down here. And I know you guys do it up there and I know we do it across the country on fat bikes, um, finding those sled trails, uh, maybe finding if you got a snowcat operation anywhere where there is kind of, a 
uh, a trail or a track that's being consistently packed down, not groomed per se. I, I think that's all, that's all great. You know, we're, we're blessed here to have places like the Hermosa Park Road. You know, they're doing snowmobile tours and they're running snowcats. So I can essentially get on my bike here over at Purgatory, uh, at Durango Mountain Resort, the ski resort north of town and essentially bike up and over the CT, uh, over to Rico. Um, all on essentially, you know, packed down snowmobile roads. And so that's just awesome. And, and you there? Yep, disconnected. We're still Dis- live. <laughs> okay, I don't know where we lost. So um, let me just do that piece uh, you again. Talk about Rico and Purgatory. Okay. Um, so yeah, Neil, I think it's super uh, correct comparison you make. Uh, seeing you know fat biking analogous to snowboarding. You know, back in the late '80s, I remember asking at the lift ticket window, you know, you allow snowboarding, and then the growth was, yeah, we allow snowboarding, but you can go snowboarding over there, kind of right. like where where you just talked about being pushed into, yeah. and then um, the almighty dollar, whether it was from the resorts or the industry or the apparel, you know, that drove acceptance, and uh, you typically, you know, people fear what they don't understand, and they. Um, are reluctant to change, especially when that change is perceived in their eyes to be negative. So I think the bar is set actually for us as fat bikers to kind of engage those multiple u- user groups, the, yep. the Nordic yep. folks, the cross country skiers, um, you know, racers. No. And, uh, you know, Imba has put out an absolutely fantastic resource of uh, best practices. Yep. That's so what it, we use when we went and approached our Nordic center and, and they you appreciate know, that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And, you know, where you have an ongoing dialogue with the Forest Service here, there's been some reluctance to let fat bikers out, you know, where they're grooming in Viacito because we're not donating and we're not grooming. And to me, it all really comes back to the perception that fat bikes wreck the trails. And I think, you know, the IMBA guidelines are just that. They're guidelines. So it mitigates a lot of this um, perceived problems that, that come along with this sport. So, just as everybody is trying to, you know, broker terrain and broker access, I, I just encourage folks to check that out. I'm not sure if we've got a, a link to that on the site, Neil, um, but it's pretty yeah. easy to find at IMBA. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think if you just search uh, IMBA best, fat bike best practices, you can find that pretty easily. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I I think it's been a good month. I know we're getting to people – fairly late, uh, yeah. post Thanksgiving. I know, you know, these two turkeys, we wanted to take some time to be with our families, <laughs> yep. and go ride our bike exactly. and, and head out and, and get whatever dirt was left. Um, what do we got Which coming we got up? It. Just... We got it pretty good. I mean, tell me, tell me more. We're on dirt. Yeah. Yeah. We're still on dirt here. And dirt. Well, it's changing today. It's snowing right now, but, it? uh, it's been dirt and, Full disclosure, we boogied south to Arizona for Thanksgiving and snuck in a Black Canyon trip. So uh, super blessed, super yeah. blessed. So so what do we got coming up? December, the holidays, future podcasts. Talk to me. Yeah, well, there's a few things on the site I wanted to mention. Um, 
If uh, you or your significant other or family member is looking for some bike packing gear, we have some pretty cool. We've we've uh, put up a pretty cool a uh, um, article on uh, uh, the holiday gift guide. Also. The holiday gift guide. There you go. Well, it's so, I you know think I, of it. It's okay. I was just reading it. So uh, solid, solid piece there. Yeah, um, and then. Another cool article we put up was uh, cycling-specific pogies, um, which was kind of cool. Uh, you know, we we're looking for a resource on the internet, internet for cycling-specific um, pogies, uh, and we found some. You know, fat fat bike dot com had a list, but all of their their links were not updated. And so it's just kind of frustrating. So we now have a great resource on our website. You can just search pogies, um, and it'll be updated, um, as needed. But if you are in the market for, uh, pogies for, you know, the fall weather or even anything down to negative 40, um, we have a great list. So check that out. Um, and what else? I guess next month, and I think we're probably going to do a show, what, in two weeks, Michael? Yeah, I think we'll do our end-of-the-year holiday spectacular. Doesn't that uh-huh. sound good? <laughs> yeah. Oh, some yeah. dancing, some lasers. Not that anybody can see that, but. <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, kind of exciting news is the um, our Bike Packer Awards, which um, should be published pretty soon, um, if not right after this is published this um podcast so that's going to be really exciting this yeah. this this is a really cool initiative um i think the collaboration with bikepacking.net and scott morris if we can mention that now if it's mm-hmm. appropriate um so kind of the history behind this is is um and i'll let you unpack it a little bit more neil but every year informally uh, for those of us that lurk about on bikepacking.net, the tribe kind of creates these um, informal accolades um, and, and talks amongst each other about who did what and what was most inspiring and impressive. And it seemed like the year to kind of give that a little bit more structure through yep. uh, through these outlets. So what do we have going on? Yeah, so we're, we're – and I don't want to give too many details out, but we're going to – recognize um some of the best athletes of the the specific year um some of the best um overall accomplishments um and you know some cool new routes you know it's 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 just gonna be really neat um and uh stay tuned for that for sure that should be be a nice yeah a nice capstone i think to 2014 which was an awesome year for oh so much right yeah it was unbelievable. And then January, probably uh, a lineup of what's to come. We will have races solidified. And then by February, we're out riding again. So, yep. man, quick. Yeah, quick. it goes quick usually. For sure. Well, looking forward to all of it, my friend. Yeah, me too. Um, cool. You got anything else, Michael? No, I just want to wish everybody happy holidays. I know we'll check in with them again in a couple weeks. But hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. And I really hope you're out there. Riding your bike, whether it's snow or dirt, having fun, being safe, and uh, and enjoying that outside time. Life is too short not to spin those pedals. Amen to that. Um, yeah, and if you um, have any questions or comments, um, 
there should be a link down at the show notes on Mountain Bike Radio. Uh, and then any of the uh, products and companies that we chatted about today, there should also be some links down there, so it should be easy to access. Um, but other than that, yeah, um, I double what Michael said. Everybody be safe out there, and uh, we will chat with you guys in a few weeks. Thanks for your time, and uh, see you.